0: From the offseason, through the wins, and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one a giant, giant step. step.
2: Before we get into Saquon and the franchise tag and everything else that goes with it, and you know what Jones actually asked for, we'll get to in a couple moments. Let's just lay it out for the people. Jones does sign a four-year deal with the Giants. Uh, worth, and now of course you're going to pay attention to the guarantees, but the overall money is worth $160 million, Paul, um 35 million dollars in incentives and of course the report 82 million dollars in guarantees over the first two years he'll get that guaranteed money but I guess the cap hits get spread out over four years with the guarantees is the way I'm interpreting this and the first year cap number which is important for the Giants and their maneuverability and free agency will be 19 million dollars again it would have been 32 two million dollars with the non-exclusive tag put on put in there so by avoiding the tag at least this year as far as salary cap goes and the way the Giants are building a roster they save another 13 million dollars and remember there still could be restructures and we'll get to these at some point through the podcast for guys like Leonard Williams and perhaps a Dory Jackson that could free up even more cap room so that's kind of the nuts and bolts of where we're at Paul do you think I missed anything there in the fine details before we break down his worth and everything with it
1: well, those numbers that you're giving are being reported by the network television people, and I Correct. think at some point in time we'll get more details. Whether or not those are all accurate, that remains to be seen. But let's Correct. for a moment go off the hypothetical that those numbers are certainly realistic. Well, right. if right. it comes out to the average yearly number of $40 million a year, that would tie him for eighth in the NFL amongst quarterbacks this season with Dak Prescott of the Cowboys. But as yeah. you said, the most important number of all because of the Giants cap situation is his 19 million charged against the cap. Now, if that number is accurate, then he is only accounting for 8% of the Giants cap in 2023. Yeah, I
2: believe I know it, you know, split hairs, but I believe it's 7.7% of the cap, which is, you know, in many ways, if you have a really rock solid franchise quarterback, I hate to use the word steal, but I mean, that is aces as far as your cap percentage goes. That is and, a
1: beautiful thing.
2: And by the way, that does alleviate. I know they're going to likely do a restructure, but when a guy like Leonard Williams is eating up a large percentage of the cap, that does alleviate a little bit if your quarterback is not the one eating up, you know, 20% of the cap, 18%, something like that.
1: Well, as as I have often said, the big problem, Patrick Mahomes broke the mold this year when, you know, he had an outrageous cap number and, and was like the first guy to to be a quarterback on a super bowl winning team since the turn of the century okay uh you know or certainly you know yes the century was 2000 he, he's the first he's the first one you know who had a cap number that won a super bowl of of like over 15% correct i mean it doesn't happen when your quarterback has a balloon cap number you absolutely suffocate the rest of your roster. Mahomes is the first guy to break the mold, the first guy to do it, which tells you that the last 20-plus years, it could not be done. So for the Giants to have a quarterback now, their franchise guy at only 8% of the cap, and it remains to be seen what the numbers will be, that will let us know what the second and third year yeah. percentages will be. And, of course, the cap will go up in ensuing years. Yeah, That's where this becomes important for this team. OK, let's let's make that very clear. And we also don't know how it's structured to where it then becomes economically feasible for the Giants to get out in case Jones should get dramatically hurt or in case for some reason he should take a nosedive as a player.
2: Yeah, that, that's obviously important is the outs, right? Do they hit a fork in the road where Joe Shane and company realize, OK, now we need to get out because we gambled on it. Maybe he didn't grow because that's the other thing, Paul. And we have hammered this time in a timeout. And the guy that I always come back to with the Giants in free agency was when they signed Olivier Verne. Uh, why am I forgetting his last name now? Olivier Vernon.
1: That's the, right.
2: Uh, yeah. I don't know why I'm like blanking all of a sudden. Uh, when it they happens to him, all of us? It was it was the idea of, you know, he was the second pass rusher next to Cam Wake. Maybe he didn't have the great sack numbers, but the idea you kept hearing, and the Giants got a lot out of him initially, was you pay a guy a lot of money for what you think they're about to become, not what they've already done. And I think that the Giants, in their mind, are paying Daniel Jones here an average salary approximately of $40 million because they think what we just saw last year was not the best of Daniel Jones. It was the beginning of Daniel Jones. And I think what a lot of people have a hard time struggling with that I've come to grips with, and you, know, you can call this excuses, call it what you want. I consider last year truly Daniel Jones's second year. Now it doesn't work that way with contracts and you have to pay him. It really kind of feels like the two years of the Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, Freddie Kitchens basically disaster and you can look at the fingerprints all over the team kind of stunted everything. And you look at what Jones was able to do in year 1 pushing the ball down the field and now you know cut down on the turnovers. This felt like a real year too. So for the giants had a 25 year old here. Now they are paying him because they think he's going to ascend. And if you get that out after year two or year three, okay. If, if Jones doesn't ascend, then at least it's not a complete killer because as you said too, the cap's going to go up and Paul, I don't want to rain on every uh, beat reporter. And I know that you won't touch it. I'll just say this. One of the things that drove me nuts over the last two weeks about these Jones negotiations the Amazon money and the new TV money has not boomed the cap yet, and it is supposed to, forget going up, the salary is supposed to have a significant ballooning at the end of either next year or the year after. It's coming in the next right. year, which will during this Jones contract, which, oh, by the way, you think Jones's agents aren't aware of? The whole world is aware of it, which is why maybe some of those asking prices could have been true, that he, you know, he was asking for high prices. But a $40 million average cap hit, well, I mean, well, even if that's not the cap hit, average per year, He's going to be on par for mediocre quarterbacks in the NFL soon because the quarterbacks get paid the most amount of money. And for some reason, everybody kept ignoring the ballooning cap and just focusing singularly on this year, which I thought was a little ridiculous, and maybe I think made the common fan sweat out something they didn't need to sweat out when hearing big-ticket numbers.
1: Yeah, I think you make a very good point, Sean, and that is why it's interesting for me at how these numbers are going to divvy up because it's clearly backloaded like all deals are. But understanding that there is going to be a significant amount of revenue coming into this league, which will drive the number up when the Giants have to redo the deal of Leonard Williams. And they're going to back end that they're going to have to extend the deals of Andrew Thomas. They're going to have to extend the deals of Xavier McKinney. Okay, this is no secret. You know what's going on. Absolutely. Dexter Lawrence. You know what's going on. Joe Shane's already said he's going to have to deal with those guys. And where do, you, where do you think that cap room is going to come from, okay? Part of where it's going to come from is their anticipation that there is going to be more coming in from the league. I've explained this to people on, on some other shows. I think I've sold it to you here. Every NFL franchise's front office plans out their caps and their numbers on three-year increments, okay? They don't just talk about what they got their cap number this year and what they're under contract with this year they look at the next two years after. So everything is done on a three-year sketch, if you will, as to what they anticipate, what they think is going to happen. And so, all right, can we maneuver this? Can we maneuver that? Can we take a little bit of a balloon hit here? Because we think it's going to be X, Y, and Z over the course of the next couple of seasons. So you make a great point that somehow people just did not even want to acknowledge when they were talking about Daniel's potential deal.
2: Yeah, it it was patently ridiculous. And with that, Paul, you know, as we transition to two parts of this Daniel deal right now, and I think that we need to think and think long and hard about two guys. And they're the guys are gonna be Joe Shane and Daniel Jones.
0: Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys, your choice of colors starting at just 3 99 Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at 2 50 Plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Temper Pedic, Purple, and Beauty Rest Black, with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required.
2: cox always building better cox internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection speeds vary and are not guaranteed cox terms and the restrictions may apply analysis by ukulele speed test intelligence data fixed median download speeds usq3 2023 for joe shane and daniel jones maybe i have my homer goggles on maybe i do but i think that this is an enormous win for both men when you consider this number one joe shane This was truly the big free agent, first free agent he had to negotiate as the sole general manager of a football team, not an assistant, not anything behind the scenes. This is a guy who agreed with the head coach working in unison to decline the option on Daniel Jones, which he was probably the right move. I mean, Daniel Jones has been banged up two years in a row. He wasn't their guy drafted, all of that. And he stood tall and he got a deal done before the deadline. And he didn't, you know, bid against himself, which a lot of GMs could do. Uh, You know, he sat back, he examined the market, he came up from their initial asking price, saw if those reports were true about Jones' asking price, and really got a deal right on the money and allowed them some cap flexibility for this year. So just, you know, before we get to the future of these other free agents and everything. You know, being able to secure your franchise quarterback, a guy that did everything you asked, uh, and a guy that you a year ago were not so sure in, and by you I'm talking about Joe Shane, this is a really big win for a first-time general manager. And it should also, I think, give the Giants fan base, I think, confidence in the general manager that he can get in that room with agents, he won't blink, Uh, I mean, he could blink a little bit, but he knows how to negotiate properly. And I, I think that this is a little bit relieving or should be for Giant fans after going through whatever we just went through with Dave Gettleman for years, uh, that Joe Shane, this is a big moment for him. and He got it done. Joe Shane clearly is in the mindset
1: of understanding complementary football, rewarding performance, and specifically performance in the most important facets and the biggest spots of the game. Now, why do I say that? Well, because he's done this deal with Jones, who just led the National Football League, with the lowest interception percentage of any quarterback during the 2022 season. And what do we know, Sean? The best way to lose games is to turn the ball over. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Turnover, as the critics of Daniel Jones like to call him earlier in his career, right now his 2% interception percentage is the ninth lowest all time
2: amongst quarterbacks who qualify with enough throws. Tremendous. How about that? It was a tremendous year. And uh, you know what? I'm just going to say it again. I'm hoping I could bury this when over the last couple weeks as it's been talked about anybody was anti Jones getting paid or you know took every hook line and sinker but I'm asking for 47 48 which by the way if he did ask for it good for him that's he should start a negotiation hope you work your way down which was anybody to poo poo the money but when I hear the word 15 touchdown or the words 15 touchdown passes I cringe at the lazy take of that Paul he did not play the final game of the regular season so this final game of the regular season equated to the wild card game three more touchdown passes it's 18 and the seven touch Touchdown runs get ignored. Should Daniel Jones have slid at the two on every one of those touchdown runs and got up and made sure he passed those balls in to get him up to? Then what would have been the equivalent of twenty-five touchdown? About Saquon Barkley's ten touchdown runs, Paul. They were sixteenth in the NFL in touchdowns per drive, despite what happened at wide receiver all year. Every time that quarterback touched the ball, they were exactly the midway point average in the league in scoring touchdowns per drive, with basically only Saquon Barkley as the reputable weapon. And, you know, okay, you could like Hodgins, you could like Slayton. The point is, there was no consistency uh, in what they were rolling out there. I mean, look what they started the year with, with Tony and Galladay. That is a damn good year to not turn the ball over and get that kind of production per drive that the Giants did. So simply saying 15 touchdown passes was always lazy. But with that ball, I just look at the win with Shane and we're talking about Jones with the win. I I went up and down and I've tried to do this before the podcast. Maybe I'm missing it. I cannot find a quarterback, a a quarterback that had his fifth year option declined since that became a thing in the CBA by the team. He's on have a year in year four where the GM decides, Oh crap, we need to sign this guy long-term and get a long-term deal and not play on the franchise tag. Maybe I'm missing one. But that shows how hard and how, you know, the, the the odds were stacked against Jones. New regime comes in. They initially don't believe in you. They could have picked up your fifth-year option with just save money. They said, no way. You went out, proved them wrong, did everything you asked, and then you got a long-term deal out of it. I mean, that is a huge win for a guy like Daniel Jones, who basically could have been on the brink of becoming a career backup and instead is, uh, you know, a guy with you know, almost 100 million guarantees and is a franchise quarterback now long-term.
1: Well, let me throw on a couple of items here to what you just talked about because I think these are very significant numbers and I'm not a guy who loves to just rely on stats, but I think these are critical ones. When you talk about the fact that he led five game-winning drives in the fourth quarter of overtime this year, that tied some guy named Tom Brady and some guy named Justin Herbert for the second most in the NFL. So he was obviously very clutch. So I don't need to hear about the 15 touchdown passes. But I want to hear about game-winning touchdown drives right. when, when it was nut-cutting time. Okay? Paul how dropping the... a nut-cutting here on one giant All right. step. Now, how about this? Sports Radar, which is the official worldwide statistical analysis uh, company that the NFL has signed up, how about the fact that with over 470 attempts this year through the air, which is a career high for Jones – He threw a career-low 54, quote, bad throws. That's a great tendency when you see the guy has a career-high in throws and a career-low in bad ones. That's the way you want the arrows to go, Sean. Yeah. Now let me give you something else. Never mind the fact that in the playoff game, yeah, okay, so they're playing the Minnesota Vikings who had a Swiss cheese secondary and a very suspect defense. That's fine. But I was on the field that day. The place was rocking. It was absolute bedlam in there. A very, very difficult place to go in and win, especially when you consider what Kirk Cousins had done this year, because he had eight game-winning touchdown drives or, or field goal drives in either the fourth quarter or overtime. And what did Daniel Jones do? He threw for 300 yards, a couple of touchdowns, and ran for 80 yards. So here's the thing. If he had done poorly against Minnesota, people would have criticized him and crucified him. But in the biggest moment of his career, getting the Giants back to the playoffs for the first time since 2016, in a very hostile environment, He played one of his finest games of the season. So what does that tell you about the guy? He stepped up. He he earned every accolade that that
2: the Giants front office wanted to give him. He answered the bell, and it wasn't his fault they didn't push the ball down the field. Don't give me this nonsense. Daniel Jones can't throw the ball deep. He did so in year one as well, if you want to knock him for that weakness. I mean, again, who was their big deep ball threat this year? They signed Galladay. He wasn't that. I mean, uh, any, it's almost like any time someone wants to knock Jones for you, completely ignore other things he's done in the past where he's proven you wrong.
1: I don't mind telling you that my personal film work had the Giants with 40
2: drops this season. Yeah, it was incredible. That is a ridiculous number. It, it, it was apparent if you watched the games and didn't just study stats and watch Red Zone.